This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Thank you for your word. Your word is, a, uh, is life. The scripture says it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, as your word goes forth today, let it minister life. Let it minister strength. The Bible says your word is for reproof, for rebuke, and for correction. That is speak to us today. We are your children. Speak to us freely in the name of Jesus. Thank you, blessed Redeemer, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we, we started a sermon series a while back. Uh, it's been over a month now uh, that we called Honoring God. Honoring God. We've done parts one, two, and three. Uh, today we're doing part four. And uh, if you have the church app, I hope you do. Uh, the sermon note is already on the church app uh, for you to be able to follow along. Uh, so when we started, we started by defining what honor is. We said honor is to regard someone or something with great respect. And we made clear that the honor we're talking about is honoring God, our Father. Amen. And then we went on to ask the question that how do you honor a God that you cannot see? And we gave some examples of how we could, of course, that list is not exhaustive in itself. Uh, number one, we said you can honor him through our obedience. Amen. Uh, Exodus 19, verse 5, uh, humility, through our humility, we can honor God. Through our worship, we can honor God. Through our service, we can uh, honor him. And then we talked about submission. And then in talking about submission, we said, who do we submit to? And we gave several examples of who we should submit to. Uh, the, the Bible says uh, <laughs> children must honor their parents. Amen. So we submit to our parents as children. And then we submit to civil authorities and spiritual authority. Amen. Uh, thank you for your example, man. Uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Obi, you know, the example you gave that you complied. It's important for us to comply when we're pulled over. Uh, things will not likely go wrong if we comply. It's when there's resistance that things may go wrong. I'm not justifying anything. I'm not saying anything about nothing. I'm just saying when you are with a civil authority, comply with instructions. Very, very important. All right? So, and then we said believers ought to submit one to another. Ephesians 5 21 tells us that. He said, submit one to another. Submit one to another. You know, and then we went on in part three uh, to talk about wives' responsibility. We said that uh, in honoring God, we can honor God in our relationships. We can honor God through our relationships. And then we picked the example of the marriage relationship and we spoke to the wives that wives should submit themselves to their own husbands. Listen, and uh, I thank God for CJ, the example he gave, that uh, people see you, they don't know where you have been and all of these things. You know, when you, if you come to church for the first time, right, 
from the parking lot, you begin to take visual cues, right? The things you see, the people you see, and you begin to make certain decisions about the church. Then you enter into the lobby and then the sanctuary. The things you see begin to feed into your understanding of what the place is about. But what you may not know is what you see is not where it began. Amen. And the same is true when you meet a person. When you meet me, for example, right, and I begin to talk to you, what you may not know, you are looking at me, maybe the way I'm dressed, the way I look, or whatever that you're looking at, right? You are making judgments, but what you don't know is this is 54 years of history in the making. Amen? When you look at someone, okay, I take it. <laughs> when you look at someone, you don't look at a person and say, oh, I wonder where they have been. No. When you look at them, the way they look, the way they talk is all you're thinking about. But what makes us us is not where we are now, it's how we got to where we are. Amen? Uh, uh, Co-pastor told us earlier, she said, the good and the bad, everything works together for good, right? She said, some of the bad, if they will not have happened, she cannot be the person she is today. So when you look at a person, be careful how you judge them by what you see right now. Because there's a long history coming. So when you look at a husband and a wife, when a man and a woman come together, there's two histories colliding. Two histories colliding. So it's important for the people in the marriage relationship themselves to understand that this woman I'm married is not just her now. She's been through so many things to get her to the point where she is now. And those things affect who we are or who we have become. Praise the Lord. It is important for you and I, and I need to get to this very quickly, it's important for us to know that the way we live our lives, amen, our marriage, we must make sure the guardrails we have for our life and marriage is the word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, Psalm 119, 105, very popular scripture. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Do you know a lot of believers today, they don't have a biblical worldview. They don't have a biblical worldview. What does that mean? It means the way you think about your life, the way you see the progression of your life, the way you deduce and come to conclusions about things about your life and around you is based on what the word of God has said. But most people don't think like that. That is why sometimes when you're speaking to people, they say, oh, they live that. that's Bible. This is real life. There's no distinction. There's no difference between the two. Amen. It is very important for you and I that we have a biblical worldview. That is why the psalmist said in the same Psalm 119 verse 11, he says, your word I have hidden in my heart so that I will not sin against you. Is what, what is he saying? He said, I have, I, I, I have held your word close to my heart so that my thinking, my decisions, my judgment, my de everything is based on that thing that I've held close to my heart. To be, to be a successful wife or husband, 
you must keep the word of God close to your heart and let it form your worldview on marriage. Don't allow Hollywood, you say, I saw it in a movie. <laughs> or some internet sensation that is, everybody is quoting. You begin to quote that. You should ask yourself, so who am I? Who am I? Am I a child of God or I'm just a follower that following the next rave? What is everybody following? Very, very important. Amen? Our time is short. So let's go to the text for today. We'll go back to Ephesians 5 where we have been. And I'm going to read from verse 21 to 33. Say, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So as children of God, submission is something that cuts across everybody. You know, we submit one to another. But then it continues in verse 22. He's a specific. He's now calling out. It says, for wives. He said, this is a direct instruction for you as a wife. Yes, everybody submits to one another. But for you wives, he said, this means submit to your Husbands as to the Lord. We've dealt with all of that. We're not coming back to it. Uh, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husband in everything. Somebody asked me, say, Pastor, do you really mean everything? I don't mean anything. The scripture says in everything. So what you have a problem with is not with me, it's with scripture. Amen. It says wives ought to submit to their husband in everything. So don't say, Pastor, do you really mean everything? I don't really mean nothing. I just really mean what the scripture has said. So let's go to verse 25 where it begins to address the man. So we're looking at how does a man, the husband, honor God in his marriage. Watch this. For husbands, this means love your wives. Can we say that together? Thank you very much. Uh, I can hear the men, the baritone. I love your wives. That's good. For, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He qualified it. He gave his life, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. Can an usher get the child, please? To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. This is the word of the Lord. Let's continue to read. For a man... Who loves his wife? No, I think I skipped. Yeah, verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, 
and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Husbands, you honor God by your obedience when you love your wife. And you love her, not the way you choose to love her, but you love her as Christ has loved his church. The big deal there is you got to ask yourself, how did Christ love the church? Or how does Christ love the church? The Bible tells us that the church is the bride of Christ. And this is the example we see in the text that we have just read. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2 says, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. So what's the apostle saying there? He's saying that the church, the letter he wrote, he wrote to the church at Corinth. He's saying that church ought to be a pure bride unto Christ, that Christ is the husband of the church. So that allegory that God is using is to tell us as husband and wife how we ought to interact with one another. It says to the wives, just the way, the same way there's an expectation that the church will submit to Christ, amen, there's an expectation that the wife will submit to her husband. And just the same way that Jesus loves the church. He loves the church without condition. Amen? He, he doesn't love us because. He loves us because he loves the church. When he died, we were sinners. So we have not done anything good to qualify for him to die for us. I knew I didn't grow up good. <laughs> I grew up bad. But God saved me. In spite of myself, he did it. He says this is the kind of love that the man ought to have for his wife. Not I will love her if she submits to me. If she doesn't submit, then I cannot love her. What, you, you married her. Hello? Am I wrong in my deductions here? Except they married her for you. He said, okay, by force you must marry her. Then you have a way to say, okay, well, I didn't really want her. They just forced her on me. Then I, you can maybe make an excuse. But it's, it, once you have married her, you made a choice, you made a decision. As long as you have made that decision, the scripture is saying you ought to love that woman as Christ has loved the church. So how does Christ love the church? Number one, we see that in uh, just right out the gate in... <laughs> In verse 25, he said, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. The number one example of how Christ loved the church is he died for the church. He, he laid his life down for the church. What the scripture, I'm not asking you to go commit suicide for your wife. That's not what I'm saying. Once you, if you die, then you are of no value to her. That's not what I'm saying. But the example we must learn from here 
is the sacrificial nature of what he did. It means for me as a husband, there's no sacrifice too great that I cannot make for my wife. None. There shouldn't be any. Because it says husbands must love their wives the same way Christ loved the church, that he gave his life for her. That is the ultimate sacrifice. That's the ultimate sacrifice. So for me as a husband, for you as a husband, what you ought to do is you must be willing to lay everything down on the altar of your marriage. Full commitment, full sacrifice, full self-denial. Say, you go first, I'll come later. I must be willing and ready to do anything for that woman that God has given me. Think about this. Jesus, if only for leaving his throne in heaven and coming to the earth and walking like a man, right? Being in the image of his created being that he created. That's enough sacrifice. Amen? And then he moved on from there. They beat him. They spat on him. Then they nailed him to the cross. Even if he did not die, for God to do all of that, I think it's enough for us to say, I will follow this God. But he did not stop there until he completed the mission and gave up the ghost for you and I. That is an example for us men. A man that loves God, a man that wants to honor God, must be willing to sacrifice all for his wife. Must be willing to sacrifice all in obedience to Christ to save his marriage. Amen? I've counseled, I've counseled with so many couples from Nigeria as an assistant pastor and then as a pastor of this, uh, of this church over the years, and I've told you many times, 70, 75% of the work I do is talking to married folks. 75% of my time is spent doing that. So I've spoken to a countless number of people. And what I have seen is that what God has put in place, we have denied and we have refused to follow. And that's why we continue to have all those issues that we have in marriage. Imagine in a perfect world where the wife is submitted to the husband and the husband loves the wife sacrificially. Where is, where is the problem that will afflict that marriage? But what I found is the wife is saying, well, he doesn't love me sacrificially, so I cannot submit to him. Okay? And the husband is saying, well, she doesn't submit, so I cannot love her sacrificially. So what's going to give? Both of you are on the Amstar ring. Is that what they call it in research? You know, the Amstar is on the wheel and it's going like that. There's no end to it. You just keep going, keep going. It's a cycle. Okay, well, she doesn't submit to me. I will not love her. Okay, he doesn't love me. I will not submit. There's no end to it. it the, the, the change will come when one person begins to think God is above all. I will put God first in my life. I will honor God with my marriage. I will honor God in my relationship to my wife. I'm going to love her in spite of her. And when I do that, I honor God. And when I honor God, I see things change. The Bible says, as you continue to read in verse 26, the scripture says he did all of that. The purpose, why 
he, he laid down his life for the church. We're talking about how Jesus loves the church now. The reason he did that is to make her holy and clean. To present her to himself a church without spot or wrinkle. Friends, you, you got to catch this. You got to catch this. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes of understanding to catch this. A woman is an incubator. Amen. Whatever you give her, she will multiply and give back to you. Amen. Think about how a child is born. So a man sows a seed, one tiny cell that is invisible to the eyes. That's all he gives her. Gives her that tiny little thing, that cell, just a tiny microscopic. At the end of nine months, what do you have? A life baby. Why? That little thing you gave her, she incubated it. It multiplied over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I can hear some men say, oh, my wife is so disrespectful and abusive. What have you been speaking into her life? When you speak one word into a woman's life, she will incubate that word and she will come back with 100 for you. So imagine if you are speaking words of affirmation into her life. When she comes back, she's coming back with 100 words of affirmation. You say, oh, you are so wonderful. You are the best of men. In fact, there is no man like you. Look at your cheeks, so rosy. Look at your teeth, everything on, on point. She, what you feed into her is what she's going to give back to you. If you tell her, you, 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 why can't you be like those other women? Uh, you are so, what, I don't know what names people call their spouses. I have, in our almost 22 years of marriage, I've never called my wife outside of her name one day. Never. Never. You are stupid. God forbid bad thing. God forbid it. God forbid it. I have never called her outside of her name. And maybe instead of saying, sweetheart, I just call her by him, I your daily, because I'm upset. <laughs> you know? Instead of saying, honey, because it doesn't feel like honey at this time. I just call her by her given name. <laughs> I call her by her given name. But never once have I ever called her outside of her name. Never. never. I say, well, sweetheart, it's not her name. It's her name. Because she's sweet to me. And makes my heart sweet. Amen. You say, honey, it's not her given That's right, but she's honey to me. It's very sweet in my mouth. You know, that's why everything is going zoom, 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 zoom. Hallelujah. Listen, the Bible says Jesus did all of that so he can make his bride holy and clean. What are you doing as the husband, as the head, to make your wife holy and clean? So you can present her to you without wrinkle and without spot. Here's my conclusion. If she has wrinkle and she has spots, it means I have work to do. Because I'm the one that is supposed to present her back to myself without wrinkle and without spot. So if you ever find any wrinkle in this uh, gorgeous, beautiful wife God has given me, I'm the one that is not doing my job. Hallelujah. Why? Because 
you as a husband, you are supposed to present your bride back unto yourself, holy, clean, without spot, without blemish. Amen? Amen? That is the assignment God has given us. And how do I do that? I do that by being the priest at home. Amen? I, we read the scriptures together. I teach her the scripture. I show her what God has said about her, about me, about us, about our family. I am the priest in my home. That's the first step to a successful home. When you, as a husband, you have now become the priest of your own home, then you are on to something great. I said this in the note. I said, what you get out of her is what you have invested into her. What you get out of your wife is what you have invested into her. Ephesians 5.27, it says, He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church. A church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So, for her to be holy and without fault, it means I have work to do. I need to teach her the scriptures. I need to teach her the way of the Lord. I need to show her the way of the Lord. When I do that, then I will be proud of my product. So if you are not proud of what you see, you are not proud of the product that you're seeing, it means you have not put enough into the manufacturing process. And that is on you. Hallelujah. Number three, very quickly, and I'll round up with this. The Bible says that Jesus... Is in heaven on the right hand of the Father on the throne and is advocating for the church still. So after he died on the cross, which is the example we have read, he laid down his life for her, right? Having done that, he's back in heaven now. And as he is in heaven, he didn't say, Let them go sort it out. I've done everything for them. Amen. So having done all to stand, the scripture says, stand therefore. First John chapter 2, verse 1. First John chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I am writing to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. What does this really mean for you and I as husbands? It means when you're haven't done all with your wife, she's not perfect yet. She's still going to miss it. She's still going to fall short. When she falls short, don't be the one about the place broadcasting your wife's shortcoming. Oh, my wife, my wife is very terrible when it comes to, huh? you will never hear it from my mouth. That's not on you. That's, that's for me to decide. Amen? The Bible says, if anyone sins, he said, don't worry about it. We have an advocate before the Father that is still pleading our case to make sure that we come out right on the other side. So if your wife is not doing well, pray for her. Pray for her. Unless you have concluded that God does not answer prayer. If you still believe in the power of prayer and there are things you are trusting God for, then you can trust God for your wife. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, 
He is he's daily, he's constant, he's before the Father. We have an advocate before the Father that pleads our case, present, continuous. He didn't plead it yesterday and is tired of pleading my case today. He pleads before the Father for me. Uh, let me run very quickly uh, through this now. Hebrews 7.25, the Bible says, Therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to, uh, to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Daily, continuously, he's praying, he's interceding for us. Jesus has not given up on you. He has not given up on me. You know, I am a living witness that there's no one that God cannot turn around. That's double negative. It doesn't matter how bad a person is. Jesus can still turn their life around. That's my story. That's my story. That I can stand before you today is proof of that fact. In fact, uh, Dr. Pokwola was telling me he met an old schoolmate of mine in Missouri. We were classmates for five years. You know. <laughs> so I was telling him, I said, they were born again, those guys, they were born again back in those days in school. We were not. <laughs> you know. So when I, I forgot how we got in contact, you know. He sent me an email. I replied this email. I, I, I guess he's not sure. He said, can Koye truly really be born again? You know? So we, we just couldn't connect. <laughs> because I, I can imagine all he can remember is me of those days. <laughs> you know? It's me of those days. You know? Hallelujah. Jesus is still praying for you and I. If Jesus will not give up on you, why would you give up on your wife? If Jesus, in spite of all that we have done, is still praying for us, why can't you pray for your wife? The Bible says that for this reason the man will leave father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two of them will become one flesh. It means what is bad about her is bad about you. One body. Right? One body. If my, if my toe, my big toe, God forbid, not me. If somebody's big toe <laughs> becomes gangrenous, can he say, no, that's not a part of my body. It's just a matter of time. The toxin from the toe will get everywhere. That person will die of that gangrene. For, I'm, it's far. Yes, doctors. The doctors will come. So that woman, what you're saying is so terrible about her. She's a part of you. Because you are one flesh. You are one body. You are one body. You are what? One body. Jesus said in Hebrews 8 and verse 12, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never remember their sins. Yes. Stop telling her, you did it last year. I know who you are. You did it last week. In fact, you did it yesterday and I know tomorrow you will do it again. God has said, their sins I will remember no more. This is Jesus speaking. If Jesus is not reminding you of your sin, why are you reminding her of her sins? Why? I don't want locomotive. If you want to clap, clap. If you are not clapping, don't clap. 
you understand? Jesus is saying, your sin, I will not remember anymore. Why are you reminding her of her sin? When you are like Christ and she is like the church. And the decision Christ has made regarding the church is, I will no longer remember their sin. And we ought to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Said so their sins I will remember no more. In conclusion, listen to me. Every man in the house and those watching online. Your wife is a treasure. She ceases to be a treasure if you disagree with God. But if you are in agreement with God, your wife is a treasure. Value her. Handle her with care. Treat her with gentleness. She's not a man like you. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22. Proverbs 18, 22. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Only the ladies are. <laughs> and they are not yet married. Your husband will treasure you. In the name of Jesus. The man who finds a wife has found a treasure. And he receives favor from the Lord. Your wife is a treasure. Something you ought to handle with care. Something you ought to handle with care. You know, I have some great examples in my life of great men of God, and I see how they treat and relate with their wives. And I say to myself, when I grow up, I want to be like that. Yes. Handle her with care. Listen to this. This is God speaking. This is God speaking. I want you to get this. I'm going to conclude in about five minutes now. Watch this. Malachi chapter 2 from verse 14 to 16. Malachi 2, 14 to 16. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why, is what the scripture says. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her. He said, that is why God will not accept your worship. Amen? He said, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? Is a question. In body and in spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to your, the wife of your youth. For I, God, I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heavens, her armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. I'll close with 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Watch this very closely. 1 Peter chapter 3 and the 7th verse. 
In the same way, you husbands, you husbands must give honor to your wives. She's not a piece of property. She's not a toy. Thank you, by the way. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Don't ask me what I really mean. I'm just reading scripture to you. I don't mean anything. I'm meaning scripture. She may be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Listen to this. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Many prayers are being hindered because some men have not treated their wives as they should. Please rise to your feet. feet. We're talking about honoring God. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.